Welcome to Entrepreneurhood, where we break entrepreneurship down into three simple pillars, business, lifestyle, and motivation. Our goal is to use our personal experiences as industry leaders to guide and inspire young entrepreneurs to see the lesson in every challenge, because we understand that companies don't succeed, people do. Now, welcome the leaders of Entrepreneurhood, Lakeham and KB. Welcome to the neighborhood. You got your boy Lake Kim in the building and I got my brother KB in the building with me. We're on episode 37 and we decided to name this one Side Hustle to Big Business. Now, for those who don't know, I actually just wrote an ebook and it's called Business is a Sport and You're the Coach. And this episode is inspired by some of the content that I wrote in my ebook. And the content is the four seasons of entrepreneurship. So the whole idea of that ebook is to really be able to talk to entrepreneurs that are in the game of team building or understanding what stage in business they're currently at. So then that way they could get themselves and their team to the next level. The ebook that I wrote, I'm going to be giving it away completely free. And if a person wants a printed copy, they're going to be able to purchase it for a very affordable price. So stay tuned. That's coming to you soon. But KB is going to let y'all know why we decided to choose this topic and also the quarter of the day. So KB, what's the quarter of the day? Today's quote is derived from the word hustle, which means to have the courage to go out until you find the opportunities you want in life. Yo, we've been hustling since day one, bro. (laughs) <laughs> Yo, it's important, man, to hustle for what you want in life and not what anybody else wants. And I think that's what separates us from a lot of different people is that we're willing to go after what we want, no matter you know what it costs. Or the obstacle or the challenge that's in front of us. And I think that's what entrepreneurs need to understand. Yo, if you want it, man, you got to be willing to run through a wall if it's important to you. Facts, bro. And, and because we are admired by you know other people that have certain, not just a fancy car, fancy house, but the, their freedom. But we don't realize what they had to do to create that. And I think that's the most important part of people understanding about hustling. It's, it's not just for just extra dollar. It's about freedom in our eyes as entrepreneurs. Yeah, I agree with that. Because as an entrepreneur, your work ethic should be a reflection of what season you're in. Similar to childhood years, teenage years, and adulthood, each of them have their own responsibilities and lessons learned. So it's very easy for entrepreneurs to act like we're in a certain stage, but actually in our reality is completely different. So our goal of this episode is to educate our fellow entrepreneurs on what's the difference between the stages of business, what actions should be made in each stage, and what it takes to get to the next level. And I agree. I think that's super important, man, because in business, we're always evolving and we're always starting over at a new task, a new opportunity or just a different stage. So I think this episode is going to be super important, man, because once our entrepreneurs understand, yo, this is where I'm at. Okay. Now I need to figure out how to get to the next level. It's going to make, it's going to make a lot more sense. Yeah. I want you guys to use this as a reference guide and something that you can always refer back to. If you might feel lost in the source because it happens. And I think by having a guide of knowing where you at and knowing what's next is very important. So even with this episode, I'm going to listen a few times to figure out <laughs> where I'm at and where I need to go. So uh, this is for everybody. And that's the whole point of entrepreneurship is where we all can grow together. That's the main reason I, why I even wrote this in the ebook is because the ebook that I have, Business is a Sport and You're the Coach, it's meant to be a reference. So an entrepreneur could grab their book and be like, all right, what stage am I in again? Or 
like, all right, how do I get to the next stage? So the idea of this episode and the ebook is to create the awareness so people know what they got to do and where they're at. Bet. Let's get into the, the first season, which is always the best to me personally, because <laughs> there's that side hustle season is, is so fresh. You dip your toes in entrepreneurship, but you still might be working your, your nine to five or your daily job. For me personally, I like to say you get paid for that little thing that you're good at. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I remember the side hustle season, man. The side hustle season, that's when you first getting into the game. That's your first time. It's like your first time picking up a basketball. You just, when you get that first time excitement, it just makes you, it makes you appreciate it. And, and the excitement is high. Yeah. And, and for me, it's, it's an exposure. Yo, this is, can really happen. Like I could do this again. And you don't think it could be a career at that point. You just, y'all just got paid for buying something for low and selling for high. <laughs> Talking legally, legally. <laughs> but when you used to go to the store and like, yo, this is on sale. This candy's on sale. These oatmeal pods is on sale. I'm going to sell it for twice the price. And I'm going to sell it to people for a dollar. And when you make, you know, that certain amount of money, it's not even about the amount of money. It's about that you fulfilled your plan, you fulfill your dream of turning into, I want to hustle. I want to make this and people appreciate it and they're willing to pay for it. And then they become asking you for it. Yo, you got that candy today? It's like, <laughs> oh, I really want this. There's demand out here. <laughs> yeah. I feel like for entrepreneurs, man, when they're in the side hustle season, it's different because you're just like, yo, people actually would pay for this. There's an idea that we have and we're like, I don't know if people's going to pay for this, but until you start executing it and you get it out there and people actually want it, then you're like, yo, this is, this is exciting. And even back to the earlier stage, before we even started selling stuff, when we used to go to knock on people's doors and ask if they want the yards clean. Yeah. Like that was another way. Yo, I don't even clean my own house. <laughs> <laughs> I hate doing chores, but... If I get paid to rake this yard and pull out some weeds, I'm willing to do that. And that's why I realized, yo, I actually like just making money. <laughs> I I, yeah, I didn't do no, only do no chores at home unless I got paid. <laughs> I, I didn't get no allowance. So I'm like, yo, I got to get paid for this. <laughs> yo, yeah, when you say that, that makes me think. I didn't realize this, bro, but I've been, I do door-to-door sales now. And I didn't realize that, bro, but I feel like now that I look back on it, I've been knocking on doors my whole life. But I guess it was just preparing me to make the big bucks. Because, yeah, bro, when we was kids, when we was in the side hustle stage, man, we'd be like, yo, it's snowing. I got a shovel. You got $20 and we can make this transaction happen. And it's just exciting, man. When you're in the side hustle stage, our entrepreneurs, they're excited because you have a thought, you have an idea, you got a skill set. And you're like, yo, people will pay me for this. I will do this for free. Speak for yourself. The money got to be involved with that. Yeah, you're right. My bad, listeners. Don't do what I just said. Don't do it for free. What I really got seasoned in the side hustle days is when eBay, it took a toll without even me realizing it. And see, I didn't have a regular job, but eBay was a side hustle because our job was school and to be an athlete. When it came down to selling sneakers on eBay, that was it. And I was literally running a consignment shop without even noticing it. And looking back on the years now, it's, yo, this is really dope. So basically, a consignment shop is when you sell items, use items based on other people's possessions, and you get yep. a percentage for it. And we used to sell all our stuff from our classmates and be like, yo, we, we take 25%, no, not including shipping, not including fees. I was charging 50%, bro. I was doing 50% of the profits. <laughs> 25 is too low. That's too low for me, bro. 
Yo, this guy is a crook. Wow, I didn't know you was doing that. Wow, that's so crazy. That's why some people was coming to me then. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yo, they want 50%. KB doing it for 25. And look, bro, when they came to me and I gave them 50% of the profits, bro, they was happy because the way that I positioned it, they was it was smiling. They were smiling. I was smiling. We was all smiling, KB. <laughs> nah. What he did, he took advantage of his customers because they wasn't good at math. So if they will understand that 50% is half and by the time you get down to the fees they're only making 30 percent 25 percent themselves this guy used to be a shark i hope you're not the same <laughs> <laughs> now i've adapted and i've lowered it but bro it's the thing that we preach in business man is you got to be willing to make sure how to take care of yourself and growing up in south side one of the things that we taught is yo you got to learn how to survive and I was trying to survive. Like people, they was just trying to get by. I, I was really trying to survive for real, for real. I, I think with eBay, it showed us so much, like so many different things, how to, you know, build your target market, build your audience, and also online, how to promote yourself and market yourself. And for me, the descriptions was always the biggest thing. And I remember literally one time where you had an item and for whatever reason, it wasn't selling. And he was like, okay, can you write your write a description for me? And I was like, all right, I got you. And... Sure enough, it got sold like within the next two or three days. Yeah. And and I just became good at giving people what they want to hear. It's funny that I do that now. <laughs> yeah, bro. As a personal trainer, I feel like you got to. And when you said that's so true, because, bro, the idea of just the wording, the wording made a crazy difference. When you made the adjustment and then the product sold, I was like, yo, you just flipped around two words. And then you said this slightly different. And then it was like a completely different description. So yeah, bro, like that was definitely one thing that I learned. And I saw that you mastered that early in the game. Yeah, the description and also the pictures too. The pictures is everything. When you're selling, you got to make sure because people can't physically feel the item. So you got to give them everything that they're expecting and whatever benefits or features. If you got a box, you got extra shoelaces, you got to throw all that in there to make it seem like a combo package, even though it's <laughs> standard, but you got to make it seem like it's, it's more than what it is. And I think that was a dope part. And what I really learned is how to communicate the rawness, like the policies and the fees with the customer. Because being that we was in high school, a lot of people didn't understand math or paid attention enough. So we had, I let them know, listen, if it sells for this price, this is what you're going to get. And if they were like, nah, I don't want to do it, I would lowball them and I'll buy from them and I'll sell it for higher. <laughs> <laughs> so you just buy them out? Yeah. We started ripping more than 50%. I just, <laughs> I'm a different kind of shark. <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard a quote that says, a baby shark. It's still a shark. It doesn't matter what type of shark you are. A shark is a shark. So now I get what you're saying, though. I, I feel you. But you know what you did in that situation, bro? In high school, we always realized that if you flash some money in someone's face and they hungry or they trying to get something, you could buy someone off for $20, $30. So look, to be honest, I actually think my people got came out better because you gave them 20 bucks and you sold it for 60. I just said, look, your product is worth a hundred and I, I need 50% of that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you 50. I take 50 and we all happy. So it's the same thing. Yo, our listeners, I, I really want y'all when you hear this episode to really think what's the better shark because <laughs> that's a ripoff from Jump Street. I'm giving you the opportunity to say, yo, I can do this for you, but if you don't, then I have to lowball you, and I know you need money, 
So I'm a low boy and I'm a seller for hire. I still have to put in more work. I'm not just going to just rip you off and say I need 50%. Or do y'all think it's better when someone is listening, man, I don't know nothing about what I'm doing and I just need some type of money. And I'm like, look, instead of giving you 20%, 30%, I'm going to give you 50% of your own product. You don't got to do nothing. And the product's guaranteed to be sold. Y'all tell us. Y'all tell us what y'all think. Yo, man, this guy is crazy. <laughs> I got a question for you, though, KB. So with the side hustle season coming up in entrepreneurship, what would you say was like your favorite side hustle experience? Was it like eBay? Was there anything beyond eBay? Because I feel like we share that a lot with our listeners that eBay really changed the game for us. But anything else that come to mind with being in the side hustle season? It had to be eBay because it's how I even find houses now. Like I'm willing to do that extensive search. And I'm willing to go above and beyond to make sure customers satisfied. Well, I'm, I'm satisfied. It just showed me how to collect money. I think the biggest thing was collecting money while you're in the class. Yo, you just got, you just made money. You just got an email from PayPal. And that exposure was the best thing from, yo, I'm in class doing a math problem, but I just made, you know, hundred dollars. I made $200 from, you know, selling a Louis belt or selling Jordans. I want to do this again. Like I want to, and that type of hunger and exposure at a young age, because that was my best side hustle. Like we sold, you know, bikes. We, uh, we clean yards. I, I sold snacks in high school, like oatmeal pies, Capri Suns. Like, I, I told you about I had them drinks frozen and <laughs> it was cold. It was cold throughout the whole day. People was like, oh, yo, you got a cooler in your bag. <laughs> Cause by four o'clock it's still cold. They're like, how are you doing this? I'm like, chill. I can't tell you that. <laughs> So I just think the whole idea of just having something and, and know how to carry it to the people when they need it at that moment. Like when I learned that placement is very important. Yeah. So for example, in class, when we had class parties, I used to save my bag of chips and not eat them. And, and I asked people if they want theirs. They're like, no, nah, I don't want it. So I take it and I'll bring it the next day. So if somebody's hungry in class, they can't go to the store and get a bag of Doritos. So I would sell the bag of Doritos for a dollar because the placement, they were willing to pay it. Because they only probably had a dollar in their pocket. But it was the placement I learned. And I was like, okay, this is why the airport makes so much money. This is why when you live in a city, it costs a little bit more. Because the placement of you need it. And it's like, all right, in the movies, this is going to be $10 for candy. Because you just go with it. And that's what I learned at a young age from Side Hustle Days. <laughs> in my head, I'm just thinking, wait, so you had these pies, you had chips. Like, where were you keeping all of these snacks? Did you just have four duffel bags or like how was you doing that yeah i had to be a duffel bag boy man <laughs> so being on a basketball team you always carrying bags with you so that was the cover-up it's not this is the stash bag you know what i'm saying you got to keep that to the side with the little string book bag <laughs> and when it goes and you ain't get it from me <laughs> yo that is crazy yo and so here's my take on that so when it comes to the side hustle season, the actions that I really want the entrepreneurs to realize is when you're in a season, like KB said, you got a full-time job, but you found something that you feel is worth your time to invest in that could be your full-time career or just generate extra money on the side. And I've been in this season multiple times. And the first time I was in the season is just like what KB said, man, it was in eBay, eBay in high school. That changed my life. Because the full-time job that we had was basketball in school. That's, that's what we did when we were teenagers. And they just really opened up my eyes of, yo, you can make money online. You can make money by not trading your time. You can make big profits. You can make 50% of something that you don't own. 
And that just, it blew my mind. And I was like, yo, this is a, a real thing. And when you're in the side hustle season, man, it happens over and over again. So like right now, I'm actually in the side hustle season again, because now I'm starting my own online coaching company. And what I'm realizing about being in the season is now I have that excitement of, yeah, I'm a full-time entrepreneur doing sales and marketing, but now I got a side hustle where I'm marketing my own services, my own products, my own book. And what I realized is that this season, it just gives me excitement of being a full-time entrepreneur and what being a full-time entrepreneur would feel like. I've always sold other people products and services, and I've been great at that. But now me being in the side hustle season again, I'm excited all over again because now I'm selling my own products. And eventually, eventually my full-time position could be selling my products. And on the side, I'm selling other people products. So it's just a cycle when you're in the side hustle season. So I got a question. So being that you've been doing business basically most of our lives, but now you're actually doing something for yourself and your own brand. What beginner step did you have to take at this point, even though you have previous business experience? It's the same. It's the same as any other thing. The first step is believing in yourself because it's easy to sell someone else's product because you don't got to create it. All you got to do is market it. But the first step in creating my own product, services, and book is, yo, Lake Kim, you got to believe in yourself. You are credible enough to help somebody else hit their goals. You're credible enough. You're smart enough. You have enough money to create something that other people will want. So I just think the first step in anything you're doing, whether it's a side hustle, whether it's your, your full time or whatever, you just have to believe in yourself. And I think that's the first thing that really helped me get back in the side hustle season again. That's big because I was actually talking to one of my clients, most of them are nurses and teachers, and they talking about they're at a point in life where they're using their side hustles to make extra income. And that's the biggest struggle is believing in, in themselves of if they can do it for other people, as far as whether it's a service of decorating, whether it's cooking food, whether it's doing hair, lashes. And I'm telling them, like, yo, you have to believe that you can do it and you just have to continue to do it. You're not going to be great at start when you actually make it a side hustle, but you got to continue and persevere throughout, throughout the obstacles because people just think well, it's going to be easy because they're so used to working and just trading that time and knowing that right, I'm going to get this out of it. Sometimes you might put hours in a side hustle and not make no money. Like, <laughs> you have to understand that comes with this lane and don't treat a side hustle like a side hustle, treat it like a business because eventually if you want it to grow, then you have to nurture it and cater it the same way far as in service and getting back to people, communicating, promoting, putting yourself out there and, and defining your audience. Yeah, bro. And I think with that being said, man, anytime someone has a side hustle, there's a lot of ways you could take it. Like I said, you could take it and build like with the intention of making it eventually become full-time or you treat your side hustle with the intention of, I'm just going to do this to generate extra income. Either way, you can't lose, but you just got to know how you want to make your side hustle work. Treat it to make it become full-time or just extra money on the side. It's up to you. Side hustle to big business. It can happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. So all right, what's the second season we got for everybody? Uh, solopreneur season. This season consists of a team of one being a full-time entrepreneur. Yeah. And I like to say this is when you cop the LLC and now it's real. 
Yeah, bro. And I think with being in this season right here, the actions that I see entrepreneurs make when they're a full-time solopreneur is you just starting out. You're figuring out your systems. You're in ground mode to start making profits. And what I think of when, when I was a solopreneur was, I remember when I was in the season was when I did network marketing. I did Amway. I was selling products and goods for Amway for uh, a year and some change. I did another network marketing energy company called Park Power. I was just you know, trying to help people save money on the electricity bill. And I was also, I consider myself a solopreneur when I started my sales career, when I was a sales rep, because I was full-time working for myself. Because if I didn't make no sales, I wasn't going to eat. And just all of those experiences really helped me out, helped me figure out what I could do on my own. And that's what I love about being a solopreneur was because what I realized was when I did network marketing, it showed me that I could do sales without having any leads. Like mm. most people don't believe that. And I, at first I didn't believe, I was like, how am I supposed to like make a sale if I don't have anyone to sign to? They was like, like, Kim, go find leads. And I think that got me prepared to do sales where the leads are provided to me. So that's what helped me get to the next season because I did a lot of network marketing and they didn't provide nothing. When I got to like being in a sales position where they actually gave me leads and I just had to close them, I was, of course I grew quickly because I thought that was the easiest thing ever. I'm like, wait, I don't got to find no customers. Like, yeah, give them, you're like, yo, bro, I really thought that it was too easy because I'm like, yeah, I didn't do Amway. You got to sign up your friends and your family. And right now you have 50 names. <laughs> yeah. And then when you run out, now you back to zero. So I think the solopreneur stuff, man, it really helped me figure out who I was, what I could do. And it really helped me get prepared for the next season. Yeah, I, I could definitely agree to that. A person who did network marketing too, it, it taught me how to position myself and communicate to people that have more than me for them to understand of what I'm selling and how I can verbally say this might be something that you need this is the the benefits this is what i'm offering this is what i'm saving you and from that it led me to train people because a lot, a lot of people i trained it was everybody was making more money than me like it was to a point where it's like damn that's it like <laughs> and i was hearing that a lot i'm like yo i gotta change this price but i just wanted to create the value first of me make sure i know what i'm doing and training it, it allowed me to be a staple in my community because people knew me for me being who I am as a person, I wanted to know me for something that I was, I was great at and being a trusted public figure. I always envisioned building my community up, but it's like, how I'm going to build it up from what are you going to know me for? And uh, training was that thing where I wanted to people know me, but I wanted to be the best at it. I just wanted to be, oh, he's a fitness trainer. such a, nah, like I, I could really help people. And I didn't figure that out. I wanted to approach it in a different way. But I didn't want it to be just to be hard nosed on people and be like a drill sergeant and say, you got to do this. You got to do this. I wanted to approach it in a fun way to let them know the confidence side of training, like the freedom that you have, the beauty of it, the benefits of it. And I basically dressed it up and made it sexy. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I put my own source on it and my own spin on it. And I do it my way. And I have I'm very humorous. And what my clients are very, you know, it's a bunch of jokes and laughter, but we get the job done. And I think, being a sole entrepreneur, you get the position however you want to position it. And I, that's what I loved about it the most. So would you say 
being a solopreneur is is it more stressful or is it more fun like what would you say it's both <laughs> <laughs> and i go and go back to high school me being a part of seeing committee and being a part of honor society and being vp everybody's called me vp back then we used to do a lot of events and by doing those events we did probably like 30 40 events within our senior year and i learned how to be punctual i didn't know how to use like a calendar a planner <laughs> and i learned how to do certain things so i took the event space and i incorporate in my business so now i'm not just a trainer i'm hosting you know social events sporting events beach runs softball games paintball trips six flags and it's you know, how are you doing this and it's i already had that experience from before and i know how i want to incorporate i want to build a culture around my business and i think that's what the best part of being a solopreneur because you could create that yeah and i feel like when you're a solopreneur, it, it has its pros and its cons. I feel like the pros is you're a team of one. You don't really have a lot of people that you have to pay too much attention to. You really just got to focus on yourself and provide something that you could give to the mass. But you don't have people that on the daily that you're like, all right, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. It's, it's a lot of responsibility, but it's not. Because when you start getting to the next stage, the next season of entrepreneurship, that's when the stress even increases more. So I think the solopreneur season, it really just helps you like, yo, you got to get good of understanding yourself. Because yeah. as a solopreneur, if you don't know who you are, you're never going to get to the next season of entrepreneurship. Yeah, when you said that, what came in my head is like people should say, you don't train at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. sessions? No. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. And that was one of the, one of the big contradictions of people thought I, that's what expected of me. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm not doing that. I don't go to sleep till 1. And I, to, to train somebody at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. and they tell me they, they don't feel like doing a, a burpee or a push-up, you got to go home. <laughs> at, that point, at that time i have no patience for you and it just one of the things like i want to do it my way and i think when you're a solopreneur you learn so more about yourself and your strengths and your weaknesses and how you communicate and deal with people it's stressful because it's just you at the end of the day and when you have to create something you're like damn i gotta do this i gotta ship this off i got to you know speak to the supplier about this i have to promote this i have to get back to this person it's a lot and but once you reach a certain pinnacle you learn how to move different and you learn how to you know weigh different things different tasks differently and that's what gets to, to the next season as well what would be your best advice for someone to get out of the solopreneur season because i know entrepreneurs are like i this is where i'm at right now i don't got no employees i'm making this i'm doing that like kb how do i get out of this season save all your money <laughs> Because when you're solopreneur, you're making a little bit of change now and you just think I probably deserve a little bit of this. Now, you don't deserve it right now. Save your money so you can use your money as a tool to duplicate yourself. So yeah. in order to duplicate yourself, you got to duplicate yourself with a system or another person. So I would say save all your money. Try to knock down your debt as much as possible before you get to that next step. But the key of being a solopreneur is branding. What really separates you from everybody in your field? And that's something that you have to answer in one line, in one sentence, it should be something that like, all right, I do this at this level and I cater to these people. 
Yeah. And I think that's definitely uh, an important part of getting out of the solopreneur season, man, because when you're a solopreneur, like my thing that I believe is you just got to have a system that's easy for you to do. And then eventually you want to be able to teach that, teach that system. So solopreneurs, it's easy to do it when it's just, you could freestyle. You ain't nobody going to call you out on it because it's just you. But if you have that kind of mindset, you're going to be stuck in that season forever. That's my advice to anyone that's being currently a solopreneur is, listen, if you try and get out of that, what's your system? Can you teach what you do to somebody else? If you can't do that, then you're going to be stuck. Yeah, that's the best way to it, bro. That's kind of what I'm thinking so far about that one. And the next season we got is the small team season. And the way that we define this season is you have a team of between one and 50 employees, and now you're starting to make some money. You're starting to make a lot of profits, considerable amount of profits. And when I feel like entrepreneurs are in this season, the actions that I see is this, KB. So when a person's in this season, you're finally at a stage where you could hire someone to help you grow. This is a big milestone because this means you have systems that you could teach other people to replicate your results. And as an entrepreneur, I spent the most time in this season. And what I realized is I'm always changing my systems to adapt to the changes of business. And being a small team season, every time I feel like I had something down, like I had a system that I could replicate that I could do over and over again. A big change happened in my industry that forced me to adapt my systems. And every time that happened, it was like, all right, I got this down. I know what I got to do. I'm getting results. I'm getting results. And then boom, a change happened. And I think that's why I've been stuck in the small team season the most is because I'm having a hard time having systems that could overcome any challenge or adaptation of the industry. So I think that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I think this is like the season of managing uncontrollable variables, which is like a big oxymoron because there's certain things that, you know, we can't control. For example, like COVID, you can't have no control over that. So you have to find a way to keep people motivated within your circle, within your systems to overcome the biggest obstacle that the whole world is facing. Yeah. The season is very crucial, but it's, it's so close. If you can find different systems that people can implement it, it can actually propel you. It just finding people to stick with it long enough so the results can come. Yeah. And to piggyback on that, what I also feel is this season helped me understand that systems are more important than having a lot of employees. And I'll say that one more time. This season, the small team season helps you understand that systems are more important than having a lot of employees. And the reason why I believe that is because what's the point of having a lot of employees if no one knows what to do? Like yeah. it's counterproductive. And what I want entrepreneurs to understand about this season from my experience is systems is uh, important, man. You can have all of the right people, but if the processes aren't intact, then you're not going to maximize your results. So I've learned a lot and I feel like this season is where I'm learning how to master this before I get to the highest tier of entrepreneurship. And there are certain people in, in entrepreneurship that they only want to stay in the small team season because when you get to the next season, it's a whole nother level of pressure. And, but there's a whole nother level of profits. 
And <laughs> that's where I really want to get to. I really want to get to and stay in the last season that we're going to share. For me, the small team season was like, wow, this is the most money I've ever made in my life. Let's take this a little more serious. <laughs> and it, for me, going, you know, going debt free from my personal debt and to knocking that out was like a big milestone for me. It was like, yeah, I actually did this from training and helping people. Like, <laughs> it, I had to really dissect the whole moment and just seeing that, you know, it's at a point now at my brand where people, they believe in it. And when you run your business up from the mud, it has to be one of the most prolific feelings ever. Mm. Like your craft is well seasoned at this point because you put in your 10,000 hours. And as people mention my brand with excitement and true belief, it's very fulfilling for me. For example, when people come to me to get results, I already know what's the plan for me to happen for them. But when they actually get it, it's, yo, this is really happening. It's so exciting. That's just the humbleness about me. I'm still excited when people say, yo, I just lost 10 pounds or this just happened in two weeks to three weeks. And even though that's my goal, that's my intention, but when it actually is resonated or actually came alive to the world, nah, this is why people come. This is what I'm good at. And let me really run it up with this small team season because I have something that can potentially be a six, seven figure business if I do it yeah. the right way. And this season has been a blessing. It showed me how to have uh, 10 lions and 100 sheep, like how you were talking about as far as your employees. So it's like, what's the point of me having 100 clients and only 30 of them get results. It's not like, a good ratio. It's not. So I'd rather have people that my target market, I know who they are. I know where they work at. I know where they spend their money at. I do a lot of studying on my clients. And you got to know your customer base in order to be able to deliver the next thing for them, especially if you want to upsell them or you just want to get add implements to your business where you want to make it better, be like a one-stop shop kind of thing. And as you build and have these different things i always try to model myself like walmart where you go to walmart because you want to get a deal but you could go get some groceries now you could go pick up the ps5 <laughs> you, could, <laughs> you could go get a chair you could do all these different things and you could go get some plants on the way out i try to build my business around that type of idea for fitness fashion beauty the culture of what you get when you come to team kb it's, you're going to get the optimum results, but you're going to get you no know, clothing. You're going to get a lifestyle. You're going to be invited to the best parties, the best brunches. <laughs> like your chain is lit. But that's, what, that's what I'm giving people. And by me having my app in place, that just helps me set the tone to get ready for that, that last season where everything is scalable. But just having more benefits to my, my service, more offers to my service. So I think a small team season it's very important to lock in on who you want to go after. Yeah. And isn't that one of your closing statements when you someone's about to join the team? I think I hear you say you're trying to join the, che the team. Like, how, how do you, what's the closing statement that you do? I tell them straight up, like, you're trying to join the squad or nah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's more than just you training with me. It's a community. It's a way where we build and help each other. It's a lifestyle, man. Team KB is yeah. a lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, body by KB is a real thing. <laughs> and when I say that, you know, I say it, but when people say it back to me, it just, I, yo, it, it really is real now. Because we say, we call, well, you know, it's funny when you're younger, you call yourself these, all these different nicknames, but nobody ever called you that. <laughs> <laughs> but next thing you know, it just starts sticking and be like, yo, this is, this is who I am. Like, for those who know, they used to call himself LJ Hot Boys. <laughs> 
Yo, no, hell no. Nah, he lied. That was my email. That was my email. <laughs> Nobody ever called him that. <laughs> but now it's like, yo, later businessman. Yo, that's what they really call you that? And it's like, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm the later businessman. And I have an ebook and I have a company and I have you know, a planner coming out. It's all these different things that goes along with it. And it's, it's dope. That's the best part about the small team season. Yeah, bro. And I feel like that's what we want our entrepreneurs to get to, man. Because when you get into small team season, you realize that, yo, this is where I provide opportunity. You provide opportunity in this season. And as the entrepreneurs continue to master that, it's going to allow you to get to the last season. So the last season we got for entrepreneurs is the scale season, right? And the scale season is where you're displaying proper systems. You have more than sufficient capital and you have a competent team to continue your growth. And the actions that I believe that I've seen in this system is this is where you have your business on autopilot. And what I mean by that is now your business can run whether you're a part of the day-to-day or not. And this is my favorite season, KB. Like... This season, I've only been able to experience this season for about five or six months out of my entire career. And at this point, and when I was um, experiencing that season, man, I felt invincible. I feel like I was untouchable, man. And it didn't. And when you're in this season, what I realized was it didn't matter how good or bad my meetings were. Like if I could run a meeting and it was horrible, my team was already motivated and everybody knew what they had to do. And what I realized in this season is this season made me realize why business can be so fun. And what I realized is like you create something that can eventually take care of itself and the money just continues to flow. However, this season is the most difficult to achieve because you have to invest in a lot of people. You have to invest your time in a lot of people and processes. And what I realized, KB, is most people aren't willing to do the work to get to the season. That's a big fact. Like that's the season ain't, it ain't built for everybody and it's okay. But if you want to achieve this, you have to put in, you know, relentless amount of effort. Yeah. Because I feel like when it comes to getting here, you got to invest. And I'm talking like you got to, at this point, people, you should have four five or six of you's, in your company at this point, because you remove you from the equation, you remove another person from the equation and things are still moving. So this is one of the hardest seasons to attain and achieve. But once you get there and you live life in this, it, it makes you understand that this is why I work so hard. Yeah. When I was thinking about for this particular topic, I'm like, yo, this is, let's put this baby on autopilot. This is where the money resides <laughs> <laughs> with a scale season. And when you scale, like you said, you have to invest. So if you're not making a big investment, you're not doing something based on your company, then you're not getting to this point. And the goal is to run your business while being present. Like the, the American dream is not having a house on the suburbs and maybe having a BM or a Benz in a driveway and a dog in a white picket fence. It is... <laughs> Living anywhere in the world, making money at when you sleep. That's the new American dream for us millennials. It's like we have the internet and social media to capitalize off on where we could all build our personal brands. We could all scale everything to the max. And I think 
people need to understand that this season is very life-changing. It's for generations changing, for generational wealth. And I think, for me personally, I dream about this season every day. Like, literally every day. Because at this point, you know, with my app, it's, I'm getting a taste of it. But it's not enough income where I can not do train personally at all. But it's at a point where it's, yo, if I just make a few tweaks here, I could hire some people to do this. I could really run it up where I want, my goal is to make 10x what I make from personal training through virtual training. I got to make the seven figures. It's like the results that I'm putting in for people. And it's not me charging at a high ticket price. It's about me appearing to the masses. So my app right now is $42 for four weeks of training. Some people argue me down. Yo, that's it? You're lying. <laughs> no way. What's the catch? $42 a day? Like, it's to a point where I'm giving that much value. And I know I can go up. I know I can, you know, go at a certain price. But now nah, I'm going to give to the people at this rate. So I look at it like the stock market. Like, yo, I didn't even know Apple was $10. If it was $10, I would have got it. Yeah. <laughs> so I want people to have that type of feeling like, damn, this app was only $42. Now it's $300 a month. I want to be able to scale because if I do that, it's not about how much time we working, we putting in. It's about how many sales we get in. Just out of raw number, if I do 100 people and then I get 10,000 subscribers, that's a million dollars right there. Yeah. Let me just do the numbers real quick. 10,000 people. Yeah. At $100 a month is a million dollars. And all I have to do is just keep marketing it. Keep running ads for it. The people be on it. 10,000 people is not a lot. It's a four, three or four billion people in the world. Yeah. So it just shows that it's doable, achievable. Now, what does it take to even get to that? Or can I service 300 people now? Learn how to service 500 people. Can I learn how to build a support system around those people? Because it sounds good to have those type of numbers, but it's like what I have to do on the back end in order to fulfill this process. To get there and maintain it. And one of the best things of why you and I, we do entrepreneurhood is to document these moments, right? So right now, the app is currently $42. And just so everyone know, we in the year 2021. So when KB and I listen to this episode in the year 2030, we're going to laugh at this because we're going to be like, yo, you remember when my app was $42 and people wasn't buying it like crazy like people was hesitant and now my app is four hundred dollars a month and like i'm getting a thousand subscribers a day it's it's unreal so i just think that one of the best things of entrepreneurhood is we want you guys to see the progression that we have and we want to be fully transparent so you guys understand like, yo i feel like i'm a part of the journey with laying kb because at this point my course isn't out yet. My ebook isn't out yet. My, my planner isn't out yet. But I want to refer back to this episode before everything is released. So when it is, I could say, look, you remember at this point on this day, it was not out. And this point, this day, I've done over a million dollars in revenue. And that's the beautiful thing of business. That's the beautiful thing of entrepreneurhood. You guys are going to see the progression we make week after week i'm so excited and i wake up every with drive and fuel you know you could take advantage of your future if you just you utilize your time better and if you put people in position to help you grow your business and i think that's the biggest part for me because me being a solopreneur for so many years now it makes me look at you know things in a different lens like yo, i have to start hiring people because i can't perform everything like I i'm running out of muscle yeah, <laughs> and you have to be real with yourself when it comes to this season and you have to trust more than anything 
because I, I always use, I'm, I'm a do-it-myself type, type of person. Even though I didn't want to do it by myself, but I feel like if I do it by myself, I'm going to get it done the right way. But now I have to trust people and I have to train them and I have to be a leader as well. And I think it's another challenge for me to show people how to get things done, how I would want it, and to really be able to pour in somebody else's life and employ them and have them make changes by giving them opportunity. I'm excited about helping other trainers in the future as well is showing them, you know, how to market themselves, how to scale, even if they want to know how to train, I'm excited to do that in the near future. So this scale season is the beauty, man. <laughs> like going through all that, I feel like this, man, every bus stop is a season and we like, yo, we not getting off this bus until we own this shit. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, yo, we've been on this ride for years, like from, that's the thing. People don't know. Like, we used to talk about these type of conversations when we was 10, 11 years old. Yeah. Where we said, yo, we want to own a business. We didn't know what exactly what, but we were like, we want to own something. Or we want to make a difference in our community. We want to buy a YMCA or something so we could play ball in the wintertime. Like, we had these different thoughts at a young age. Yeah, I remember those conversations, <laughs> bro, for real. <laughs> so this is something that's embedded and rooted in us. It's not something that we've seen because of social media. We've seen you know, entrepreneurs with a Lambo or a fancy robot like this is something that we've been wanting before all of this so but the fact that we have an opportunity right now to make it happen oh i'm taking it i'm taking it yeah I'm, ri I'm risking everything for it because i'd rather go out swinging than not swing at all because the upside is crazy the upside once we execute and everything that we've been telling people we're going to do uh, they're going to literally be like yo i wanted like how did you do that and can you teach me how but when they understand the risk, the work, and the struggles that's a part of it, most people, that's where, that's where they fall off. Just to make sure our entrepreneurs understand, man, I want to recap with y'all the four seasons, and then KB and I, we're going to finish up with our final takeaways of uh, this episode. So the four seasons of entrepreneurship, just to make sure everyone remember them. The first season is the side hustle season. That's where you dipping your toes into entrepreneurship, but you're still working in nine to five. The second season is a solopreneur season. That's where you're a team of one, but you're a full-time entrepreneur. The third season is small, se small team season. And that's where you have a team between one and 50 employees and you're making considerable profits. And the fourth season is the scale season. And this is our favorite. This is where, we, this is where KB and I, we want to live. And that's where you display proper systems. You have more than sufficient capital and you have a competent team and the growth is nonstop. So KB, what's your final takeaway of this episode for all the listeners? My final takeaway is to be real with yourself, no matter what stage that you're at, you know, whether you just started something, it's beginning things at the size, or if you have the tipping point of scale season and you got your, your toes wet, it's to be real about what you want and what are you willing to sacrifice to get to that point and knowing what's the why behind everything because the why is, is going to get you up when you don't feel like doing these things and you don't feel like firing somebody you don't feel like hiring you don't feel, <laughs> <laughs> you don't feel like making that that side hustle money on the weekends when you're tired and that's the fuel that you're going to need in order to grow and remember the benefits of each season and appreciate where you at. Don't compare your season to someone else's season. Yeah. Because that's how you get lost in the source. When you appreciate that first sale and appreciate that thousand sale. Because 
all of those have a different uh, feeling and different experience and different momentum. And, and just have fun with it, man. It, it's, it's up to you. Like your story is getting created literally at, to this day. So it might start off bad and you might feel like, yo, this is it. I feel like quitting. But you have the opportunity to change that by your actions that you do on the daily. Run it up, man. Entrepreneurhood. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's so true, man. When it comes to building your story, that's what some people... They forget, man, building a story. You appreciate everything. You appreciate each lesson. So here's my final takeaway for everyone in entrepreneurhood. Know what season you're in and act like it. Each season has a lesson to teach you. I see too many entrepreneurs trying to skip a season and expect to get great results. Imagine trying to skip your 20s and go from 19 to 30. Right. That would be a horrible idea because your 20s is when you learn the most about yourself in a game of entrepreneurship. Fast is slow and slow is fast. What I want my entrepreneurs to remember is take your time in each season, master it, do the work that is required in your current season and trust the process. Entrepreneurhood. Anyone can start but only champions finish. Now that you've completed this episode, you're ready to continue your journey by connecting directly with our hosts of Entrepreneurhood. Follow us on Instagram at The Entrepreneurhood to stay updated with the community. For each episode, the first set of listeners to tag us on Instagram and leave a five-star review will be entered into a drawing to get a free one-on-one coaching session on the topic of entrepreneurship with our hosts. Remember, there is no shame in struggling because we fail, we grow, and we win right here on Entrepreneurhood.